0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 13th episode of Concerned Dabs podcast. I am your host, Katie M. Kane. My co host, Will Terps, had to take the night off this evening. We'll see him again next week, hopefully. With me tonight is Caitlin Reed. And can I uh, please, can you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Hey, um, uh, Caitlin Reed uh, uh, My name is Caitlin Reed. Um, I'm a member of the Yurok tribe in Northwestern California. Um, I am a PhD candidate in Native American studies, and I will be starting as an assistant professor of Native American studies at Humboldt State University, um, also in Northwestern California. Um, the subject of my dissertation research and what will become my first book um, looks at the environmental and cultural impacts of the cannabis industry, or what I refer to as the green rush um, on my tribal territory um, and fellow Yurok tribal members. Um, So I I refer to it from gold rush to green rush. And so I'm trying to connect the historical and ecological dots uh, from the gold rush to the green rush, thinking about violence against Native people, thinking about environmental destruction, thinking about prioritizing profit. Uh, Yeah, so that's what I do. I'm excited to talk about my work with you all today
0: awesome awesome so uh you are yurok and you're um from the emerald triangle more or less right Mm -hmm. yeah i was
1: born there i didn't grow up there i came back as an adult and it was um when i had so i had heard stories from my mom and my grandma about where we were from like my whole life um Mm -hmm. i didn't start thinking about where i was from as like a place Associated with weed until I went to college. Um, wow. I was in a dorm room in New York, and somebody asked me where I was from, and I said, "Well, I'm originally I'm from Humboldt County." And their eyes lit up because they were so excited. They thought oh, yeah. I was going to have like the supply, and I was like, yeah. "Wow, how interesting is it that 3,000 miles away, people are assuming like this agricultural product uh, like is going to make it there first off?" And it was known so well for its cannabis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The name rings bells. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I got to tell this story. I, I I think I was like a sophomore or a junior in high school. And we had this math teacher named Mr. Brown and he was the coolest cat ever. And it was like algebra two or something. And he had some sort of formula that he wanted us to solve a problem with. And I was blazed, like, me and my my buddy in class would, would smoke before class in the morning, and it was the first class of the day. And I think he could tell, but he knew I'd pay attention. You know what I mean? And so this time, I wasn't paying attention. I was just staring out the window. And he asked someone else about the formula before that, and then he says, Jonathan. I'm like, what's up? And he goes, can you use this formula to apply to the situation if you had a pound of weed from Reseda, California, (laughs) I was like, where's Reseda, California? You know what I mean? And he said, Humboldt County. And I was like, Ooh. And I knew what it was worth on my res, you know what I mean? And so you just plug in certain parts of what you know about it. And the equation comes out and it's just, I was like, damn. And he goes, you're correct. I was like, man, like, it just made so much sense to me. And I was like, man, he, he was a cool cat. And mm-hmm. I think he was from there, too. Okay. So he just knew I was a stoner kid who was still pretty smart in school. So, right, you know, he got me to tune in after that. And
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. So Humboldt County gets remembered as this place where weed is ground, and, like, not a place where settler violence occurred or where indigenous people have lived for 10,000 years. Right? Like, weed kind of... Yeah. Um encapsulates its identity in a lot of ways, which I think masks many of the problems that are going on in our community.
0: Word. Yeah, what was that? There was like a Netflix movie my cousin told me to watch that Murder yeah. Mountain or something. Yeah. Some yeah, the HS, the H.S. Humboldt got State. Or
1: yeah. Humboldt State University um actually had a panel called The Other Side of Murder Mountain.
2: Uh, um
1: and they were a lot of like the growers in Humboldt County came out and were really critical of that documentary and they didn't like it. Cause they're like, uh, this is depicting our industry, like in a way we don't like, and like we're a community and we help the community, but I will say I only, I was at Dartmouth at the time. So I had to watch it online live. So I couldn't be there, but um, uh, nobody talked about the water issue. Nobody talked about protecting fish. Like yeah. it was That was eerily missing from the conversation. Like a lot of growers in Humboldt, because like with the Back to the Land movement and hippies, like people think about cannabis as something that's very eco-friendly, and and it's kind of associated with environmentalism in a lot of people's minds. And so there's kind of this blindness to the environmental problems it's actually creating.
0: Well, that like that's one thing. When I was reading your paper, I was just like, at first, I'm like, man. I'm like, not nah, everybody's growing like that. You know what I mean? Like there's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of no-till growers who like you, you use way less water and no nutrients. And yeah. I, my, I myself as a cannabis producer, that was my game too. The first couple of years I was following another guy and learning from him. And then afterwards I made the decision to not do that, to make mm-hmm. my, to make my own soil from scratch that's organic and not feeding it any bottled nutrients, no nothing. I would brew compost tea with air and water and some nutrients in a bag and not bottled nudes. It's like the stuff that I made my soil with. I put worm castings and stuff in there and bubble it. And that was it. Tea and water. And the other thing too, is like, I would, after the first couple of years, I do everything in pots instead of the ground, but even like the no-till growers, like, they want to disturb the environment as least as they can because they want their plants to be able to communicate with the environment through the mycorrhizal fungi and all that so yeah like, that's i didn't see any of that in your paper so i was like i don't want to like be totally against what you're saying but there are other other methods of production well, he throws up a
1: little bit on me.
0: oh uh, my bad there are other methods of production that are not harmful to the environment is.
1: Yeah. So I will be the first to admit, I don't know a lot about the production process and to say, to say grower as one distinct category is kind of misleading. It's not a homogenous group. Like you have, you have people who are like
0: Indians too, man. Right.
1: Exactly. And so like you do have, you do have those people who are very interested in conserving water and using only organic materials when I've talked to those growers, they tend to be very frustrated with the industry because they feel like they're in the minority there. They are. Exactly. And so they, I'm not
2: critiquing, yeah. critiquing growing.
0: I am. Like I respect exactly. the other homies too, but it's just like they 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 say the same, like you don't use anything, no bloom, no, no nothing. I'm like, nah, man. And yeah. and, and there's people who take it a step further than I do, and they don't use any tea you know what I mean it's just water only like the guy Mm. that we had we had this guy on episode two his name is Joshua Steensland and he is no-till indoor so he he uses this method inside with lights to where he just makes the bed of soil once and then he plants companion plants with the cannabis and just feeds it water and that's it yeah and when he was on the show He was on like the fourth year, I think, like the 11th or 12th cycle on the beds that he had at his house. And I got the sample, I think one of the third or fourth batches and it was fire. You know what I mean? With, with no, no nutrients, no nothing. And so I, I am impressed with stuff like that. And I try to follow guys like that and have them on my show. But there's, there's also other guys that grow conventionally too with nutrients and, I think that's fine. Uh, the w- the issue that I have with is guys who are growing outside, in the ground, and pouring nutrients on their, their plants. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's primarily like, what we're getting on our yeah, reservation. And, and, and yeah, and that's when I was reading your paper, like, I'm mad about this, too. Like, at first, I was just like, man, she's kind of shitting on cannabis. And it's like, you're not. You're shitting on a certain part of it, which... I right. think is wrong, and too. So, like, but, and, and it's not just cannabis, either, is what I wanted to say, either. Like, before we went live, I was talking about this with you for a little bit. Every other industry pours shit tons of nitrogen on their fields to feed yeah. their plants when they're in veg throughout the season, you know what I mean? And yeah. all of that runs off into the rivers, and all of that is bad for the pH, it makes algae bloom, like, it's right. uh, it's really bad for the environment. And so, Cannabis, you know, is contributing to that. Of course, you know, I'm sure in your area a lot. But right, it's, and so uh, it's, I
1: think it's the way you think about the plant and the way you frame the problems. Like indigenous yeah. peoples, we have relationships with plants, right? Like we yeah. understand them as things of yeah. agency, and yeah. we know that there are like we have to respect them and we have to use protocol. Like within the Western frame set or framework that's like guided by profit, cannabis is only a commodity. Right. And so like you can never make enough money. And that's where the like the the problems kind of run in. Like one grower put it as you can either grow medicine or you can grow poison. And so we yeah. have a mixture of both. Right. I,
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, like I, I moved here to Phoenix in 2018. Right. And coming from Oregon, like dude, like my game is tight and I'm super clean, fresh, organic, like no, none of that. And coming down here, there's, there's not even a lab test required other than potency. And like no pesticide test, no mold test, no nothing. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. So even buying from the store, which as a medical patient, I am supposed to assume is a safe place. Yeah. It's not right. Like I assume everything is dirty. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm that law changed this summer so starting august 27th um dispensaries are going to be required to have a residual pesticide test and a mold test which i think is dope but yeah. i mean policing that many businesses to get them into compliance and everything i like i don't think they'll start writing tickets for non-compliance for at least a year or two so yeah i'm still not going to trust anything until then but it's like in Oregon, there were companies that branded themselves off that. It's like, no, nah, there's no newts. You know what I mean? This is no-till, sun-grown. Like uh, my guy Jackson, we had him on the first episode. He owns Natural Wonders. He's enrolled in Nez Perce like I am. He's my bro. I worked for him for like a year out there in Portland. He's really good peeps. And I wish I could have him on this show to talk to you too because like, He's super smart and educated also but he has this farm called uh Green Seas Green Source Gardens on his shelf yeah. and they're they're no-till outdoor like use way less water they have their own breeding program it's super organic and it's yeah. not causing anything harmful to the environment and that's how they brand themselves you know they're like yeah. We're uh we're in the southern Oregon because they're a little bit north of where you guys are at I think
2: yeah.
0: and um th- you know they're they're hippies I I don't think they're indigenous people but they're good people and they they want to be not causing harm to the environment they want to yeah. be stewards of the land and, and be responsible as as businessmen too you know right so I, yeah I so think- one of
1: our one of our problems in Humboldt County is that a lot of people have been involved with the cannabis industry for many decades now, right? Um, And they want to figure out a way to do it environmentally friendly. But at some base level, you've got to look at the geography of a place and think about the historical context of why we grew weed in Humboldt County. It was because of federal prohibition. And so it was people going up into the hills where they couldn't get caught by camp, right? Or like Reagan's drug raid law enforcement dogs, right? What the geography of that place is not conducive to agriculture, it's heavily forested, it's really steep, it has a lot of bio like really uh biologically sensitive watersheds. And so, the reason we grow weed there isn't because it's a great place to grow weed, it's because pro like federal policies push people up there. And it's actually at some sort of base level, like it's Humboldt County is never going to be the perfect place to grow, but it's what people think about when they think about Humboldt County,
0: yeah. Well, like. I would like counter that with certain strains that are like indica are land raised from mountainous regions like that Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan. And Mm -hmm. so if you put those strains in places like that, they'll they'll do really good. But you are correct, like not on the scale of a thousand plants. Right. Yeah, because they're like they have to
1: clear cut to do it.
0: Well, dude, and then pulling water from a small stream, you know what I mean? For that, yeah,
1: we've had whole tributaries dry up,
0: yeah. And it's, I used to work in fisheries for my tribe for a lot of years. I, all you need is a water pump with you know, you put a screen on one end and put a hose on the other, and you can suck water from wherever. And so, it's,
1: yeah, I got interested in this research when I was working for my tribe, too. I was working for our. And we would work a lot with fisheries. Oh, oh, oh
0: wait, you were, you were working for what? Your, your audio cut out for one second. Oh, maybe. I'm
1: sorry. Um, I was working for the Yurok Tribe Environmental Program. Um, oh, okay. So I was working for my tribe too. And that was like when I started seeing these problems and like water getting sucked up um, and like fisheries was really concerned. And I was like, shit, this is important. Like weed is blowing up around the world.
2: Like yeah.
1: I need to, we need to know what's, what's that the what it's doing to our fish is like the real reason like I got into this project and then like I just started peeling back the layers and I was like, wow, there's a lot more to this.
0: Yeah. And like uh, that's one thing, too, is uh, drawing attention to it like you're doing. I feel like is good, like um, raising mm-hmm. awareness, but also too, like I, I try and promote guys that are responsible because I, I don't like to just shit on the whole. Like, yeah, weed weed outside is bad because I'm an outdoor grower too. And I'm like, nah, bro, like I use way less water than anyone else because I grow this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no,
1: I think it's super important to kind of put those folks in a position to speak to the larger growing community. Cause like, I don't grow. Like I, yeah. I don't, I've never grown any sort of plants in my life. Like nobody's going to listen to me about sustainable practice. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And so it's like people who are doing it every single day. Those are the people who need to be talking about why it's bad to like put something in the water. Right.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: like those people, like I can, I have leeway in like universities and stuff with other academics, but like we need to be talking to the people actually growing weed every single day, you know?
0: well yeah and and it's like there's there's guys who are conventional growers too like they grow in a a pot with soil or hydro and they pour nutrients in there and it's like yeah that's cool it's it's just going to the plant but i don't think any of those guys put that soil in their garbage can and send it to the dump you know what i mean they go and they go and put it somewhere on under a fruit tree or something and it's like there's still leftover nitrogen and all kinds of chemicals still in that soil that are still going to yeah. run into the environment. And like I frown upon hydro growers too. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's cool that you can increase your yield by 30 to 50% by growing with that method, but it doesn't smell or taste the same as soil. And mm-hmm. it's pretty much all like, you can taste it, man. Like it's, it doesn't one thing too. I have this theory on, um, Panda Express, I feel like their vegetables are grown hydro. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm like, man, these are plain Jane. Like, they're just colorful, and that's it. And that's why people like to grow hydro cannabis, too, is it right. as mass bag appeal. It's like you can keep it that light green, almost yellow color. And it, it, Yeah.
1: Right? Like, in a lot of ways, the cannabis industry mirrors, like, the food industry. You want to produce as much as possible at the yeah. lowest cost. And, ma- and maximize profit and in the meantime a lot of people are getting diabetes and heart like cancer and like and people are obese and starving at the same time right yeah. it's like doing what is most cost effective usually creates a lot of societal harm
0: yeah well to me like a, m- mine was pretty much the same as on cost but just not as on volume on volume you know what i mean because mm. you can you can produce way more but it's just Like it cost way less to just use water. You know what I mean? And that's why I feel like when I was trying to solicit an investor, I would always pitch it as, look, dude, everybody else is trying to get 1.2 million to do an indoor grow at a warehouse. And I just want 160 racks to do outdoor. Like we're going to produce three times as much as those guys will in a year with one season. And when it gets competitive and it gets flooded those guys can't bring their costs down you know what i mean like they're gonna always pay for electricity on lights and ac and fans but they're also gonna pay for bottled nutrients through their their whole year you know what i mean and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm not paying for any of that and i'm not hurting anything and it would just it was strange how difficult it was to sell that to 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 people who are rich
1: yeah because you know? that doesn't read as profitable
0: it doesn't at and all that's what
1: that's the bottom line
0: i couldn't find the hippie millionaire and it was like damn man like everybody had some sort of corporate job that they were able to stun on me when they showed up to the meeting i'm like, okay man here's here's my little booklet with my spreadsheets and like i was able to answer all questions but i could never get that loot so mm-hmm. i just had to deal with it and keep pushing um what was the uh what was the next thing that you wanted to talk about Hmm. I I don't don't remember where I offshoot that I I don't know where (laughs) it came from I just feel like I have to uh say something positive because I I, you know I uh I got to defend my guys at least oh yeah but but I with a lot of what you're saying you know
1: yeah no I want this like this book to be read by the growing community and like i like i expect resistance uh initially because like the same thing happens within native american studies right like people who've been oblivious to the fact that native people still exist like they don't want to hear that their country was built on genocide and slavery right so Uh, initially you get the i can't hear you sort of thing and i see the same thing When I critique the cannabis industry,
0: right?
1: Like it's not every single grower. It's the industry as a whole and the harms that it's
0: creating. Well, like I am that Indian, Caitlin, on Facebook. Like I'm always like, fuck, this is fucked up. And this is, and I have a lot of good friends who are Caucasian, you know what I mean? And who are business associates. And they probably think I'm just a piece of shit and just some racist asshole. But it's like, I know you guys don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. And some of you guys are benefiting from it, and this is why. And and you guys are smart enough to put that together from the post. And it's I guess it kind of is meant to be a little bit offensive, but man, it's just mainly yeah.
2: Away. Well,
0: like I'm not like to settler colonialism
1: it. is one of the biggest problems that we need to deal with. And I I in the book I try to link pro like settler colonialism in the cannabis industry, and so um settler colonialism has a particular orientation to land right they see it as dead it is not alive it doesn't have spirit or agency it is to be used for the material consumption of human beings and if you're not making profit off of it it's going to waste and that's kind of the relationship we have towards land and then it gets applied to the cannabis industry and so like it's not it's not just the cannabis industry. It's every single natural resource extraction industry. It's cannabis, it's walnuts, it's almonds, it's fruit, yeah. it's oil, it's everything, yeah. right? And yeah. so until you disrupt that bottom foundational layer of how you relate to land, nothing's going to get fixed. And so yeah. the cannabis industry is victim to that as every other natural resource extraction site. And so cannabis is not alone. My critique yeah. is actually much, much larger, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and the one thing too is... People are lobbying. Big money is lobbying um, for the law to be written as such that people cannot grow their own. Like it's like that in Washington. Everybody Mm -hmm. just saw legal weed and voted yes, but they didn't read the language and you couldn't grow your own. Yeah. And and, in Oregon, that's why it failed so many times before it passed, because the language didn't read such that you could grow your own. And now it, it is in Oregon, everybody can grow four plants. As long as you're 21, you can have four plants per residence, no card, no nothing.
2: Yeah.
0: And I feel like that is the best way to like.
1: Yeah, nobody should be buying weed, right? No, we should all be growing our
2: own.
0: Yeah, it's like, man, you should grow your own, trade with your neighbor. Like if you have four plants, if, if you're doing it right, you can have enough at the end to make whatever kind of extracts you need. If somebody in your family is sick, like nah man we we can make some some b h o or or some r s o from this c b d plant and and you'll be okay, man, you know mm-hmm. it'll, it'll' work and not you're not gonna dewater make... entire streams, no exactly, yeah. you know what i mean like like the equivalent of that water is like another person living in your house for that summer, mm-hmm. taking a shower a day, you know what i mean or or less, you know what I mean, so it's not it's not super strenuous and it's not yeah. hurting anything, but I, I agree, man, these huge farms that are, cause that's the guys that I, like I have so many homies that decided to give up because they couldn't compete against that big. And I'm one of them, you know, I'm like, I can't do this shit anymore. I yeah. don't have the loot and I can't compete. So it's- It
1: hard. was designed that way by the state. That yeah. wasn't like your failure as a cultivator. That was very intentional. Yeah. Like people with money and people with power.
0: Yeah, man, they they lobbied for it. And so, like, my main thing is, if it does go federal, I really wanted to say that people can grow at least four to six plants in their home without being in trouble. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And- we, like, usually those laws, though, are, like, private uh, property. Like, I know one big problem, a lot of younger folk who can't afford to buy their own home, um, like, they're having problems with access, too. Um Yeah. And so, like, it needs to be grown in community gardens, like here in North yeah. Cal. Like, we have for people who are food insecure. Like, what about people who are medicine insecure?
0: Like, yeah, you know. I agree, man. Because um, that when it when it went wreck, holy shit! Like, the price jumped for like a year and a half. It was so expensive, and it's like, if you're a medical patient and you need that on a daily basis, you can't afford that price. Like, yeah. that's that's an exorbitant price, and if you if you can't grow your own or have somebody grow it for you, then you're, that's not good. You know, those patient, those patients need to be able to get their medicine for a fair price or for free. That's what I liked about the medical program in Oregon. Some mm. growers took advantage. Like some people would be like, well, we'll give you an ounce a month for a year for your card. And I'm like, excuse me. And they're like, what? I'm like, the the possession law is written for 24 ounces so that a patient can get two ounces per month of off a crop like that's why they wrote it that way you guys are taking an extra ounce per month like just to put in your pocket and guys who like had no response to that i'm like fuck you dude like i'm not telling anybody to give their card to you like that's not that's not legit you give a pound and a half every single harvest And if somebody runs out, then you give it to them at cost because they're a patient and you are growing plants for them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anything extra, like, yeah, you can make a little bit of loot, but it's you're you're taking care of people, you know what I mean? And I feel like the rec laws are not taking care of anyone except big money. It's like if you got a few million to throw at this, then you can survive through this whole flooded period. And everybody else who quits in that few years is not gonna reap the benefits when it goes federal. What yeah. big money for sure is because who can if you put all your eggs in that basket, how are you gonna survive for three or four years until it goes federal if right. you can't you can't sell the shit that you produced.
1: Right. That yeah so it's like a rush, right?
0: Yeah. And that so is. like
1: in my research I talk about how this rush mentality is a pattern. It started with the gold rush and when that no longer became profitable, they rushed yeah. timber. And then they rushed different kinds of minerals and then they rushed fish and we're on just like the next rush. And so like when people think this in, like the boom of this industry is unique, I'm like, no, like, look at our history. This has happened so many times before it doesn't work out in the end for anyone. Right. Um, okay. Uh, And so, um, cool. Well he runs out. I, I have some photos I wanted to show folks. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so I, what I try to do in my research is draw connections from the gold rush to the green rush and say that this historical connection isn't just like arbitrary, like gold rush, green rush. They both have the word rush in them, um, but that it's the same sort of mindset and orientation to land that, that, that guides our behavior in the way that we use land and the way we profit off of it. Um, so I'm just going to switch my screen um, to show you my computer, if that's cool. Um, Oh shit. I don't know how to. Okay. Oh, Hey, I'm going to show some of the, the, I'm going to show some of the photos okay, that yeah. I have loaded. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Sweet. So I'm going to do my screen share here.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it should just display whatever's on your screen. Perfect. Yeah. So All right. Yeah. Dope. So let
1: me just, um. so my work is focused on California. So I, I'd love to learn more about what's going on in Oregon and Washington from y'all but I just wanted to show you really quick where we're talking about. Um, So this is where I'm from. This is Yurok tribe ancestral territory. Um, I always show these maps next to each other because this is our res. You can see it's a lot smaller, right? (laughs) Um, And so like, I always need to remind people that processes of land dispossession are active, they're ongoing. Um, And so this is kind of the region I'm talking about and these are what photos will be from. Um, And then I just want to show the overlap. Sorry, this photo is a little grainy. Um, the emerald triangle here i'm sure everybody who's watching this is familiar but sometimes i get people who don't know what i'm talking about um yeah. and so just kind of look at the overlap here this northern part of california um and so we call it like ground zero of the environmental contaminants um and environmental destruction from the cannabis industry um i just want to say like a couple words about the gold rush because most people yeah. um here i'll take me
0: do your thing, girl. Like, this is your time to, to talk about what you wish, oh, man. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to shit on your research at all. It's just like, man, there's still, there's other guys doing positive things, though, that aren't a part of, you know. What- yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I don't I'm, need I'm photos for that.
0: I'm, I'm one of those guys, so. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, so I just wanted to say, like, a quick blurb about the gold rush before I dive into, like, why I'm talking about the green rush in the way that I am. Yeah. Um, so, like. I taught classes at the University of California, right? And so people getting out of high school in California, they're coming into my college classes. I ask them what they know about the gold rush. And it's like, oh, my brave miners came here and made some money. That's all they know.
0: Yeah, right? that's what they got taught in school, man. Yes.
1: Like, and so what's really going on in California in the 1840s, 1850s, 1860s, is that miners are actively slaughtering entire villages, they're like raping women they are like killing indian babies yeah. um, and they're getting together and forming militias and so not just like the army being sent in but like random 18 guys year old with, 20 year old dudes yeah. are guys going don't out
0: where any oath to any honor or anything you know i right. mean just got guns and are coming there for gold so yeah, fuck exactly. you indians you and so baby.
1: california's the golden state we think of the california gold rush as what founded california And so I argue you cannot separate that violence and that that connection between resource extraction, right, blowing up mountains for gold, like completely destroying entire streams for gold, putting mercury in the water. All of that is also connected to violence against indigenous people. And so for me, the rush characterizes not just like, let's run to the resource and make money, right? The rush is also inherently violent against land and against indigenous people. And so when I hear people talk about the green rush as a California Indian, I can't help but think about the gold rush, right? And all that that encompassed for our people. Um, And so I'm trying to argue that the gold rush is ongoing, (laughs) not the gold rush, the rush mentality. And it just looks different. Instead of gold, it's weed now. And they always collapse, right? Because it's predicated on profit, not on a sustainable way to survive in a place. Right?
0: Yeah. Um, okay, Man. so I'll
1: show some pictures real quick.
0: Okay, yeah. Do your thing, girl. Do your thing.
1: Sweet. Um, okay, I got the share screen down now, I think. Okay, so um, these are the different parallels I drew from.
0: Can you? Uh, yeah, yeah, full Between street. Gold Rush
1: and Green Rush in my book. And so I talk about land dispossession and Indian removal, right? Miners came in and said, this is mine now.
0: Yeah, and, man. Our, and- our reservation shrank too, man, as Nez purse like two or three times just because it's like, oh, there's gold there. Oh, there's gold there. You know what I mean? Like, right. let's, let's make it smaller. Let's make it smaller. Right. Let's make it smaller. Exactly.
1: And yeah. so we have growers coming in and our, and sucks there is that we don't have jurisdiction, right? We only have jurisdiction on the reservation, but most of our sacred sites are in ancestral territory, not on the reservation. And so that kind of opens up a gateway for growers to come in and disrespect, uh, like, the areas where our medicine people go, right? And, like, we just don't want weed being grown there because our medicine people need those places, right?
0: And I I saw that, too, in your paper, too, about girls going to collect... But what what, what's the, some some kind of basket making material or something? Oh, yeah, we gather
1: all sorts of stuff. We'll get hazelnut sticks and bear hazelnut grass. and
0: sticks. Oh,
1: yeah. I think the example you might be um, referring to is the, um, I talk about this feeling of danger and violence because a lot of these growers, they have guard dogs um, and they're armed. Usually they have guns and stuff. And sometimes they even use booby traps. Yeah. Um, and if you're like accidentally stumble upon a grow, like I think I wrote in my paper, it doesn't matter if you're an looking for bear grass or if you're a cop, right? You're going to get a gun pulled on you. Yeah. And I'm- like thinking about land dispossession and the settler state taking away our territory, this tiny little reservation that we have left, if we can't even feel safe in our own lands, like what the fuck, right? Yeah. Like that's not okay. And like a lot of our environmental staff go to really remote areas of the res to do like different samplings and stuff. And like they have to turn around because there's like evidence of a grow and like, they don't want to get a gun pulled on them, you know?
0: Yeah, man. Like uh, one of my uncles told me a story about being on firefighting crew down in California in the eighties and they were just digging a line and they happened to cross a grow. And that's what happened. A guy pulled a gun on them. Like there was yep. like two guys out there and they're just like, Hey man, we're just trying to fight the fire. And the guy actually gave them a bunch of hash. <laughs> like was like, thank you guys. I'm sorry for doing that. You know what I mean? I'm just out mm-hmm. here trying to protect my crop. And they're like, man, we understand, man. Thanks for the medicine later. And yeah. I was just like, oh, man, I would have been scared. Cause like, you can't, I don't think you can have a gun when you're out on fire crew. I'm pretty sure they, you know, that's oh, wow. the rules. So it's like, uh, i, I would have yeah. been shook like oh, oh man i don't care how old i'd say like, you get a gun pulled on you it's like motherfucker. yep that's...
2: yeah no my friend judith she's hoopa
1: and her son got shot in the head over a gram
0: damn man that's whack yep. There, yep. Was, there was there was a kid in portland that used to come to the shop natural wonders that got sm- and it wasn't a gram that's fucked up but it was two pounds and it's like mm-hmm. Some, some kids were trying to jack him and he wasn't having it. He got back in his car and they shot him while he was in his car. I was just bummed out. Cause that kid came in every week and he was a kid like 22, yeah. you know? And it's like, man, yeah. everybody should be able to grow their own. Then you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't steal. If you can make your own like, man.
1: Yeah. So that documentary you mentioned earlier, Murder Mountain, like that kind of highlights the violence that happens in Humboldt County. Um, the growers who came to that panel, I mentioned, like they were really like kind of mad about that because they're like, we're so much more than violent. We're also like loving and stuff. But like I'm on a listserv where I get notifications every time there's like a violent incident that gets reported to the police with cannabis and it's daily. So like yeah. that violence in a lot of ways, people try to sweep it under the rug, but it is like part and parcel of it.
0: Um, yeah. Well, like and- that's and and making the law such that you man, some states are saying if you have a medical card, then you can't have a concealed weapon permit. And it's like, man, if somebody wants to do me harm for doing what I do, then I should be able to defend myself too, you know? And so mm-hmm. it just it makes me feel uneasy because it's like, Yeah, like, am I supposed to just give a guy all my packs because he has one and I don't? Like I got one but I'm not supposed to bring it here. So I guess I'm out of luck, you know? Yeah. So it just.
1: Yeah. And just thinking about like safety in the industry, I don't really talk about this in the dissertation I sent you, but one of the chapters in the book is going to look at labor trafficking and sexual trafficking. Um, Cause like the gold rush, right? Like miners had a slave trade going on. Right. Well,
0: dude, uh, every, every oil field, North Dakota, Houston. Exactly. Whatever, uh, yes. there's, uh, there's a couple strip clubs in the mm-hmm. nearest city and there's girls selling it and there's guys who are selling the girls who are selling it. So,
1: yeah. So I, what I argue, like, so missing and murdered indigenous. Like are often located in very like remote areas and near sites of natural resource extraction. And like, that's a pattern, like a well-documented pattern. And we have a very, um, awful problem of missing people in Humboldt County. Right. So we have the highest rate of missing people per capita in the state of California. Our county does. We also have one of the highest rates of native people per capita in our state, in our county um, throughout California. And so, like, I see overlap between like missing and murdered indigenous women. Right. And being um, trafficked in the cannabis industry, because a lot of women go up to work into in the industry to just like trim or do whatever. And then like they're not allowed to leave. um, And they're kind of like. They're coerced into doing sexual labor. Um, there are also stories of labor trafficking in the cannabis industry in Humboldt County where people who have escaped um, like have no idea where in the world they are. A lot of industries like to prey on undocumented migrants because if they complain, they'll threaten to deport them. Um, they'll also kind of mislead them. They'll be like, do you want to cook at a camp for three months and like mislead the fact that it's like a trespass row and what they're doing is illegal, and then they'll hold them there at gunpoint. Um, and so I just, I don't really know how I'm going to like go about my search, uh, for this chapter because like, I don't want, you know, want to put these vulnerable people on blast in a public setting, but like, I see so many parallels between like minors enslaving native people and like raping native women, um, and sort of the labor and sexual trafficking that's going on like behind the redwood curtain, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I, I want to express my point of view. Like I've had multiple women on my trim cruise and none of that shit ever went down yeah oh I mean. i'm not
1: like accusing yeah, really. you of sexual well, crap. No. Really,
0: really. well no i'm just like usually uh girls would have the time in the evening and when want to be hustling and making some extra loot. so like they would always show up and do work and it didn't matter if you were a girl or a boy it's like if you couldn't trim a pound of weed in six hours then i'm not gonna call you again tomorrow you know what i mean so mm-hmm. but There was one girl, and she brought her boyfriend through, too, and I met her through uh, one of my cousins. She was from the Boise area, and she was the best girl. Like, she was a robot. Like, she would smoke anybody, like, do double their work anytime. And so, uh, that makes me sad that that's happening down in your region, because... That's It's not cool. It's like you're supposed to be able to trust each other. That's why you have these people here on your farm because nobody's going to uh, yeah. steal or do anybody wrong. And Right. If, the word uh, people use around
1: here is prostitute.
0: Ah. Yeah. Damn. And one of the big problems the is that like maybe a college girl. I'm going to look oh. for that on IG now. Hashtag prostitute.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's another way of like demeaning women and objectifying them and using them for their sexual labor. Um, But one of the problems is that a lot of this is how I kind of learned about this, because young women at Humboldt State University were like making materials to protect themselves, because when you go up on the hill to like make money for a weekend or whatever, working in the cannabis industry, your cell phone doesn't work. Right. Like you have you are isolated. There is no way to contact anybody. Um, And so like that's in like young women are being like put in danger and because they go up to do the cannabis work. Right. And it might, and it may be illegal. Law enforcement doesn't give a shit and they don't go look for them. Law enforcement's yeah. attitude is basically like, Oh, well, this young girl's chose to go up to a cannabis farm. Like it's her fault. Like we're not going to go like rescue her,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's,
1: that's the sort of thing we're seeing. Um, and so the cannabis industry in Humboldt County likes to talk about all the benefits it brings usually those are economic benefits but they're very silent on not only like the environmental problems that are being created in our area but also like people going missing like pretty much everybody I've talked to down here for my research knows somebody who's gone missing
0: yeah that's crazy because I don't you know what I mean like I've I mean I know some some people who have been kidnapped or disappeared but not not related to weed so like it'll be, yeah, that happens all the time up here. Book Cause yeah. the uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I just wouldn't, I, I gotta, my name's gotta be good wherever yeah. people speak it. You know what I mean? So it's like, if like, I can't have any bad shit happen Right. it's, it's, it's my name on it. So
1: I make the argument that like, if you're willing to defile land and like desecrate land like it's not that big of a step to like exploit other people right
0: yeah well man the last year that i grew like 2016 i I was tearing shit up and my landlord shit on me and jacked me but in 2017 um it was a scramble to find a property and the lady who we ended up renting from she was kind of like apprehensive because the people the year before they didn't give a shit like they just left a bunch of holes in the ground and pvc laying everywhere they weren't supposed to use that much water yeah she didn't she didn't have a well she had some sort of cistern system just to it was like a farmland she grew hay and that was it so she didn't need a lot of water and those guys were using a shit ton and they just left a huge mess and everything and it was like i had like i had to present myself really well and come with spreadsheets and pictures like. This is what i did last year i'm not gonna dig any holes i'm not gonna use any pvc i'm gonna just put fence posts here so your horses can't get to them and that that, that's it you know what i mean and yeah she was was okay with it you know after that because it was just like man yeah so one of the
1: parallels i draw between the gold rush is the gold rush was the biggest human like the biggest migration in human history like tens of thousands of people flocked from all over the world to like yeah. come mine for gold in California. And Together. so we have people coming from all over the country, all over the world to come grow weed in Humboldt County. And guess what? Most of them know nothing about yeah. cultivating.
0: Fucking right? Chad's Chad's. If Will was on the show right now, he'd be like, yeah, those fucking Chad's coming out there to throw. Yeah, But right they're here.
1: the one they're really fucking up our environment. Right. So here's one story. It's kind of an extreme. So, um, we like So we go, um, I used to, Operation Yurok is like this tribal eradication campaign, and then we go in and document environmental damages. So this yeah. guy had got a 40-gallon drum of whatever chemical, and he's supposed to like dilute it into his spray bottle. So it's like 10% solution, 90% water, something like that. Yeah. This guy didn't know that. And so he just dumps his whole fucking barrel or drum into this little makeshift pond he had. Made with like a tarp, and like that was the water that was going down the whole mountainside, getting into all the uh, soil, and then getting into the tributary.
0: Um, And so, like
1: that's the sort of like people flock to Humboldt County because it's name recognition. They don't know anything about weed and growing weed, and even if they manage to make some money, it's our environment that they're destroying in the process while they figure it out.
0: Yeah, I agree. And like we're not
1: getting any of the benefits from that. Like we're not seeing any of the profit. Like nothing like that. We're just seeing like the externalities. What they need to take from us so they can make money.
0: Yeah. I I agree. And like man, it uh it makes me sad, but it gives me hope too cuz there there are people that can produce it with without ruining the environment and what Yeah,
1: like, I I agree with you. I think that's true. But simultaneously, I don't think we're giving enough attention. Or like, I think a lot of the criticism needs to come from the growing community itself. Right? Because the Uh, growing community is is very like, the growing community is used to like people attacking them from the outside, right? Like, for decades, they've kind of endured that they need to be attacked from the inside. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, there's, man, there's there's this one guy, and I think people just keep reporting him on IG, so he gets deleted because the majority, like you're saying, is evil. But this guy, his farm—they're called Dirty Arm
2: Farms—and
0: mm-hmm. he grows in a greenhouse organically, no newts, and he turns most of his stuff into oil. And so it's like live resin, or he'll make like a, a weed syrup, and then he does like a CBD line too. But he's super organic and the reason that he grows in soil organically with no newts is because it produces the best terpene profile the smell and the taste and the flavor that you want um but when he's on ig fuck he shits on fools and i i can't help but to cheer him on because it's like guys will sit there and label their shit organic and it's not and he's mm-hmm. like, Man, isn't that a bottle of Nunes in the background of your photo right there? Like, what the fuck are you talking about, organic? And he, he just calls him out. Yeah. And it's guys who fucking chads who put in all that money to invest and still don't know what they're doing, can't stand that shit. So they, they flag his profile and, and try to get him deleted like that. But yeah, I, I agree. It's it's very rare to see it from the inside. Most people who are like her the fucking chat they're trying to stay super positive all the time and you want to be a brand ambassador for our kind of and it's like when i ask those critical questions and they don't answer them correctly it's we don't really want you to work here you know what i mean and i'm like I, I, okay cool it's fine you know yeah,
1: yeah um, like where i'm just like as like a native american studies scholar like my first and in- foremost priority is like protecting our fish protecting our territory like and that's what and like i just have to deal with the facts of like what i'm sure like there are cannabis farms that are very sustainable but that's not what we're seeing on our reservation. um yeah. and so i feel like those issues need to be brought to light you know
0: word and yeah here i can show
1: you some quick photos i, I keep saying i'm gonna show it to you and
0: yeah, i'll yeah, do yeah. it now. Okay. all good yeah man I, I'm, okay, I'm enjoying so, uh, our conversation girl
1: yeah, so this is a photo from before two thousand twelve and after two
0: thousand fourteen. Um can you, can you full screen it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me full screen. And, it right. and this is a uh, like satellite, satellite Google View or something.
1: okay. So yeah, this photo before twenty twelve, this one's after twenty fourteen. And so that's just like an aerial view of clear cutting. And yeah. so like what happens when growers do that is like the soil dries up, it can't like sustain anything, right? Um you see it impacts our waterways and then wildlife go from like clear cut spot to clear cut spot where they like ingest poison and stuff. Um, Here's another view of just like two grows. And so all the clear cutting that has to happen there. Um, I wanted to show you some of the water. So this is like the sort of a tank that we'll find all the time. And so it's just lined Uh, with tarp. And then you see this pipe. Yeah. And so that other side of that pipe is stuck into the Creek. Damn. Yep. And so what a lot of them will do is instead of like applying nutrients or whatever chemical to each individual plant, they'll dump it in this here pool. And then these little
0: yeah. Um, they they get that from big agriculture. Can you go back one photo? Yeah, yeah. see like that tank. No, go back to that tank. So yeah. big big ag will post one of those out in the middle of their wheat field or whatever and they'll do the same thing. They'll make and it's supposed to be diluted, but it's a solution. Yeah, chemical nutrients that they just feed over time
1: yeah and so one of the guys at the tribe he uh, one of the guys at the tribe told me that he's a plumber and he like goes to a lot of these abandoned sites and he's never seen one that isn't leaking water 20 and so like they're very inefficient they're getting like the solution back into the water and then um these are the irrigation tubes and what i say about these in my research uh, cuz you'll find these over whole mountainsides just like they're everywhere um yeah. and i have a good friend she's dakota Nakoda, Ray, and nakota Ray Girling thunder and um she when Standing rock was like in full force she was telling me the black snake prophecy right um, yeah. like the lakota had this prophecy that this black snake will come across their territory and like everywhere it'd go it would bring like destruction and destroy everything in its path um and when she told me that story like obviously the big black snakes the pipeline but I was thinking of these little black snakes um, that are, like, sucking up our water and kind of delivering poisons everywhere. Um, I wanted to show some podo- photos of the different chemicals that we find. I just wanted to let your viewers know there's a dead animal in one of my slides. So just, like, trigger warning for folks.
0: Um, All yeah, good. Okay, okay. So, so okay. we find
1: a lot of – we find a ton of rodenticides. Um,
0: Wait, we wait, also wait, rodenticide. So that yeah, that's, so those are like kill rat acid.
1: killers and stuff. Yeah. And so what they make the animal do, they don't kill the animal right away, they make the animal very like dazed and like confused and slow. And so it then gets eaten by another animal. And so that toxin, a kind of like bioaccumulates in the next animal. And it's like working its way down the food chain. Right. Um, some of these chemicals now come in things like bacon flavor. Right. And so these animals are intentionally poisoned so that they don't disrupt crops. And a lot of the chemicals that we find um, are not even legal in the United States. They're manufactured in the United States, of course, um, but they are not like, legally available. And so they're not on the list of chemicals the EPA tests for. Right. Because the EPA assumes you're only using legal chemicals. And so they try to like find out which one it is on the list. And of course, it's not on the list. Right. Um, this hot dog is stuffed with carbamates, which is a really, um, like lethal toxin for wildlife. Um, and that Martin was found like a couple meters away. We have found dead Martins,
0: uh, dead coyotes. uh, We've found a dead black
1: bear. Um, they're impacting snowy spotted owls, which are endangered.
0: Um, because to me, an animal that would eat meat is not an animal that would eat your plants. You know what I mean? Like the only—well, I'm saying um, the only animals I've seen eat my plants were deer.
1: Yeah, you know, Um they,
0: they would come and tear off a whole branch, and I'm like, "You fuckers, man!" Like
1: yeah, we're also, also seeing like, poaching.
0: Whatever. Damn, um, really? we're also
1: seeing a lot of poaching because like
0: people I've, are kind of trapped I've in these seen, places. I've never seen a rodent eat a fucking weed plant in my life, so. I don't, I don't well, know. we're finding a lot of
1: poisoned animals at abandoned grow sites. Word. Yeah, there's an ecologist, uh, Murad Gabriel. He, he's done most of the work on uh, poison, um, and he mostly looks at ro- different rodents and, like, weasel varieties. Um, but just as his own curiosity, he's a deer hunter, and he's tested the liver of every single deer he's caught in the last, like, decade. And every single one has tested positive for adenocytes
0: yeah well did he check for glyphosate
1: Uh, i don't even know what that
0: is (laughs) that's roundup that's the most commonly used uh pesticide in big ag and it's in everything like if you if you used roundup on your weed plants you would fail a residual pesticide test to get onto a dispensary shelf but everything else that we buy in a grocery store everything everything has not undergone that same test yeah only the only thing that we buy like the only test that anything on the shelf even if it's labeled organic it's it didn't get the product didn't get tested they came and inspected the farm and that was it yeah and yeah so we're seeing
1: like this kind of pollution but we're also garbage um people leave behind tons of garbage it was there's garbage extends beyond both frames of this it's like an episode of hoarders in some of these abandoned sites. Um, you find a lot of petroleum products and like a bunch of different,
0: I'm sorry, what? EHO. I've, I've seen, uh, some pictures where there's so many cans of butane just left out there in in a field, in an area. And it's like. Like, yeah. why did you guys even do it like this? You guys got to be junkies. If you're going to run that much oil, like, you could have done it way smarter than to waste that many cans and pay retail for it. You know what I yep. mean? Yep.
1: And then we find a bunch of equipment. Like, that was just one thing of batteries left behind. Right. Yeah. And like, these will eventually like break down and contaminate soils and stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, and,
0: and some guys just leave it. Like, that's the lady in 2017. She. Didn't want to work with me at first, but I, I like explained to her like I don't do any of that shit that those guys did last year. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not gonna mix anything up and pour it on your fucking land. Like it's, right. it's gonna be- Um, There's one
1: more pollution problem I got to talk about really quick because it's a big problem for our people. It's gross, so I don't have a picture. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's um, so a lot of people they come up to these grow sites, right, and they're there for a couple months. They don't build a latrine. They have no sort of sewer system.
0: What's the tree? Oh, latrine. Latrine, Like a hole in the
1: ground, right? And, they, and yeah. so, so a lot of people are open, like, defecating into the streams. Uh, and, like, the man. levels of E. coli are, like, increasing. And they're getting our tribal members sick. Like, deathly sick.
2: That sucks, um, man. Like our,
1: and one grow site we had, um, it was abandoned. And we had to go clean it up. There was over 100 five-gallon buckets capped with human sewage. And so, like, I'm like, this isn't, they did it on our land. And so, like, they bailed. We don't know who did it. And so, the obligation to clean it up is like on us. And it's like,
0: they were going to use that for their plants or something? How many? No, no, no,
1: no. No, it was because they're living up there.
0: Oh, fuck. Right? Like, they're
1: super remote. It takes like 10 hours to access a site sometimes because they're way out in the middle of nowhere. Right?
0: My my pop always told me, like, if you're on the woods, just. You got a shovel, dig a hole. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, they're just
1: going in the river.
0: That's fucked up, man. Yeah.
1: And like at a large scale, right? So like a grow site with 4,000 plants, you've got a lot of workers. They're up there for a lot of months. That yeah. stuff adds up, right? Yeah. And so like human waste is a huge issue that my tribe is dealing with. And it's like, we didn't ask for this settler shit to happen, right? Yeah. Um, and so... That's, okay. that's, that's the perspective of cultivation from my tribe's perspective, right?
2: Okay. Like, yeah. cause these
1: are the issues that we're dealing with and like the growing community isn't helping clean them up.
0: And right. I, and yeah. And I can dig where you're coming from because I'm that Indian on Facebook and I know people don't like me for it. So I'm, I'm pro cannabis and pro cultivation and pro industry and all this. So I can't be angry at you for being that Indian on my show. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm, yeah, I'm, it, I'm digging it. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. man, it's... it's uh, it wouldn't
1: matter to me if it was cannabis or dairy farming, right?
0: Well, because like, because usually, too, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, word. Yeah, fucking like that shit. And, and this mm-hmm. is different. Like, we're, we're, we're talking and engaging about mm-hmm. aspects and so... On.
2: Yeah, no, it's a really
1: complicated issue. There's a lot of Indians on my track Yeah,
0: getting into
1: weed, right? Yeah it's not like all of us think the same way we no. debate the fuck out of this at like our annual meeting
0: yeah and well i hope that any indians in your tribe who are into cultivation are learning about sustainable methods because like man it is a, a part of your culture not not okay. every tribe farmed or cultivated you know a lot of tribes are just hunter-gatherer but some tribes did, and they did it sustainably. They they didn't have chemicals to fuck yeah. shit up back in the day. It's like, nah, man, it grows like this in nature, so we just duplicated that right here, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And- yeah, no, we've been adept stewards of our land for longer than settlers can even fathom. Like, we've been taking care of our places for 10,000 years. And so, like, when we say, the, when we talk about the rush pattern unfolding, it's because we were there and saw it happen.
0: Well, right. Yeah. and I Like I, we already I, know the ending
1: of this story.
0: Yeah, I saw this uh one passage in your paper too that talked about your tribe um purposely setting fires so that those uh, hazelnut sticks can grow so that they can yeah. make basket, but that wasn't the only benefit, you know what I mean? It's like it helped other other wildlife come. Yeah. Totally. too. Like there was tribes in Oregon that also did that. Yep. Um, yeah, so- a lot of
1: us burned and when the Spanish missionary showed up in the 1750s they were writing in their diaries wtf why are these stupid indians lighting everything on fire like yeah. they didn't understand the complexity of our land management regimes
2: right yeah. like yeah. they
1: weren't as sophisticated yeah. and ecologically aware of their surroundings as we were and so like when the national parks are created and the us forest service is created the first thing they go and do is fire suppression they're like indians quit lighting shit on fire Right. That's why California is on fire every single summer, because the state hasn't let us burn like we're supposed to.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. why we're in this yeah. terrible situation. So, so there's way right? too much Tinder and it, it just yeah. fucking goes off because bottom of- line,
1: Indians know what we're talking
2: about. <laughs>
0: yeah, man, no doubt. No doubt. Um, is, is there any uh, any like positives from your tribe? Like, is, is anybody like doing anything? like, like positive that you're proud of that you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, we've like
1: dramatically decreased the amount of trespass cultivation on our reservation. So, um, Operation Europe is kind of a like innovative program.
0: Illegal unlicensed grows going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so we're seeing less of that. Like in 2000, it was blowing up. They were like sucking all of our creeks dry, but like, We've been going after them every single summer. And I think like we're really we're making a dent. Like it's like some people are really pessimistic and they're like, eh, it's a, like a drop in a bucket. But like anything we can do to protect our fish is really important. And I think the tribe is working on doing that.
0: Um, yeah. well, like but
1: Eventually, like the green rush will collapse just like the gold rush did. And then it won't be profitable to grow weed at all because Amazon and Google will be doing it. So
0: Yeah. I hope to get one of those Amazon weed jobs because I look, I work for them right now. Oh Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually, one of those uh, illegal huge grows, I, I used to DJ in a strip club for a lot of years in Portland at a few different ones. So I'd run into a lot of different characters and sometimes people knew I was a weed guy. So we'd sit down and talk for a second, but uh i I got offered a job at one of those illegal grows and it was in oregon and they had a thousand plants and it was out in the woods and they're like you go outdoor you know what you're doing i'm like yeah bro here's my spreadsheet and they're just like we're not doing that we're doing this and i'm like I I respect your guys' heart, you know, to do such things, but I I'm I fucking been to jail for weed already, so I don't I don't want to do anything like that, you know. And so I I settled on the property in Sherwood in 2016. I met a guy like that through through yeah. the strip club, and it yeah, okay. I think we second, can get more creative I, too. Yeah, and, and, Cause and like I I just uh I wanted to be responsible and and not illegal yeah and not go to jail because. I've already done that part. It's like that's right. why I'm in Oregon because I can be compliant and do my thing and not get in trouble. Like
1: Yeah. And like tribes need to like diversify and like get more income. Like I get that. But I think there are other elements of the cannabis industry that we could perhaps participate in that won't like divert our water and contaminate our soil. Like what if the Iraq tribe owned its own lab to like test product for retail, right? Yeah. Like people are paying a lot of money to get their shit tested. And then that might be for our tribal youth to like have a job and live at home, you know, in their own community. And so like, I think we need to get more creative about how we think about tribal participation in the cannabis industry.
0: Um, And and, and it's required. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And then
1: we know that like the state isn't half-assing it and like the tribe would actually do it right, you know?
0: And yeah. And it's, man, that's one of the biggest lobbying bodies in in cannabis i feel like because dude like a in in medical like a compliance test as a medical grower is like a 100 bucks and it was uh-huh. like an ex- extra 50 if you wanted the terpene profile analysis and some guys would do that because they want to stunts like yo, yeah, we'll check yeah. this shit out but when it went wreck i'm pretty sure that test is like 350
1: yeah, it's you know a mean. lot of growers are complaining
0: about it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like it's way deeper and and way more expensive. And so, if there's like, there, I think there's like twenty one hundred licenses in Oregon for. Rec- wow, that's it, producers. Yeah, but dude, there's a is there's like two million pounds surplus. Yeah, there's gonna be like it's. Yeah. Untim- no, there's
1: enough. Um- So we did an acreage permit cap, 3,500 acres is the max that's allowed to be uh, permitted out in Humboldt County. That is more than enough to supply all of California. Yeah. So it's not about supply for California people. It's about profit, right?
0: Yeah. The last article I read said that there's enough supply in Oregon to last for six years. Yeah. From now. We're
1: going to keep producing more, right? Because the same framework guides everything. It guides like food production right? We waste the most food in the world. Like dollar stores that are filled with those dumb little like trinkets. Like we still keep producing those every year. Like it's not about stuff we need. It's we'll make anything as long as it'll make a profit. And we're not thinking about the resources that it's using. It's really impacting all of us for the long term.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I I feel like a lot of the... uh... Smaller craft cannabis producers in Oregon would say the same thing because they, they really take a lot of pride in what they produce, but it doesn't matter because there's all this volume yep. from all this big money. is like, yeah, it might not be as bomb as yours, but it doesn't yeah. matter because the price is going down and people don't want to pay that much anyway. So,
1: Yeah, as yeah. long as the cannabis industry is slave to capitalist logic, it will be very
0: flawed. Yeah. And so I, I try to... Man... I am working class poor more or less. Yeah, I'm an mm-hmm. educated Indian, but I, I still scramble before the first of the month. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm always like a budget, a budget shopper, no matter right. what it is, you know, what I mean, I don't want to pay more than I have to. Yeah. But in certain cases, and especially in cannabis, or even in music, if, if I go to a show and the guy killed that shit, and I really like two or three of his songs, I'll go pay 20 bucks for a CD, mm-hmm. even though a CD should only be 10 bucks it's like, whatever, bro, you're asking for 20. I got you. Yeah. And with, with weed, same thing. Like there's guys on my show who I would pay more for their weed because I, I know I can get it cheaper in Oregon, but those guys have something really special that they put a lot of work into and it's worth more money to me. So I would like yeah. to support the work that they yeah. did. Cause, cause I'm also an artist too. You know, I'm a musician and it, it bugs me when it's it's fine when people stream something off of Spotify. You know, that's how most of the income comes from digital consumption. But every now and then someone buys an mm-hmm. album, digital download from my website or off of yeah. iTunes. And it's like 10 whole dollars. And I get an email and I'm like, man, thank right. you for the support. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, man, mm-hmm. it just, it, it makes me feel good. So I feel like guys who still take pride in their work will still find a, a way to at least eat. And and hopefully more so when it goes federally legal because if they can export with no no penalties then I feel like the cream will rise to the top like I I drink a couple beers after work but I don't get Bud Light you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I I want some craft beer from a local brewer and yeah something with some citrus hops because yeah I have to drink less and and I I feel better about supporting a guy who wanted to make something good as opposed to something huge, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 yeah and so I, I hear growers critique big canna all the time.
0: Yeah, it, it, it is, man. It's,
1: it's symbolic of a larger problem. Cause those like capitalist production, it's unsustainable. Like eventually it's going to come to a crashing halt, right? Like we're going to run out of oil. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's whether we choose to like change the way we live and the way we now by
0: choice or later with damn girl like, no choice. yeah that's what like man that was my whole thing with the standing rock thing because i drove an electric car from like 2015 till 2018 i got rear-ended at a red light and had to slide into an old honda after that so i'm paying for gas now and i feel like a sucker but for those three years the only thing i paid for was tires and windshield wipers and so when all this standing rock thing was going on i'm like those Indians are still gonna put gas in their car to drive there and drive home. So it's yeah, like, well,
1: we've become like that's also created by design, right? Like we'll need dude, to get to work.
0: Well, well do people don't but, put housing
2: but, here, but there
0: there is plan. an electric alternative, and now way more so that goes the distance that nobody can complain about anything. It's like, no, nah, you could switch to electric and there's no issues, and Indians still won't do that, but they'll still go and pro and I'm like, look. It's not going to matter like you're still going to buy that shit so why protest it? Why don't you stop buying it? And and then Well, the market, even like market, your electrical cars,
1: change. like so much petroleum products are required to manufacture it and well, like
0: man, deliver it and like I I you know. agree, but the like everything going like there's less less if you do the math on the the total amount used to create and then sustain it's it's way less. You know what I mean across the board? Like it doesn't yeah. It's it's way less. Well, no, we like because we use petroleum make- products
1: for everything like, let, let you know. it's a complete like revamping of our entire lifestyle well,
0: and and that's that's another thing about hemp is like most plastic anything can yeah be made from hemp and so yeah hemp it, is awesome that's you know why
1: um our uh the funny story when they were making the the marijuana tax act thirty seven the first piece of legislation that outlawed cannabis in the United States um uh henry harry anslinger right he was director of narcotics um he was married to andrew mellon's niece um and andrew mellon was his boss and he was the chief financial backer of dupont and they produced like the most nylon in the world at the time and if hemp had been a lot of dupont's business never would have materialized and so like one of the large reasons behind cannabis prohibition it was of course like race-based as well but like it was also to prevent competition for the nylon industry and dupont specifically um
0: yeah yeah yeah, hell yeah, yeah. no
1: hemp's awesome i think my tribe's gonna get involved in hemp
0: well man maybe I, I we're I still want, talking about I, it i want my tribe to get involved in hemp and cannabis and and everything like i I try not to shit on my leadership too much, but most times I feel like they don't represent me. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. it's fine. That's why I don't live there. You know, I'm out here trying to find my way and, and do my own thing in business. But I agree. And and with the plastic stuff too, I I want to see more clothes made from hemp and cotton. I read yeah. an article that said Levi's has a, a cotton and hemp blend that they're going to come out with. But man, the the plastic clothes, and it's always like the the cool technology to if you're sweating it'll keep you cooler like Mm -hmm. it's all made with plastic and it smells yeah like it smells a certain way no matter if it's hot or if it's cold it's like it's because it's made out of plastic you know what I mean and I feel like even on my skin I'm like those shirts always make me itch a a little bit you know what I mean and it just doesn't feel safe and I feel like uh something made from hemp and cotton because i see cotton fields down here too when i'm driving around i'm like man, it it yeah. makes me feel safer wearing something that's made from that even though it was probably spayed with sprayed with uh pesticides and everything unless it's labeled yeah. organic but right. at least it wasn't chemically produced and and shredded into fibers and then made into a material you know for me to wear yeah. on my skin for sure yeah um what else do you want to talk about? Do you want to plug your social media or anything? Do we have any listeners on YouTube, you guys?
1: I don't actually have social media.
0: <laughs> oh, you don't? Just I got
1: Facebook, just? but that's just for, like, not yeah, to you, you follow me. Facebook. We call it Indian yeah. Book.
0: Yeah. That's just to fantastic. see the
1: crazy drama that's going down on the weekends. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and a lot of family, too. I don't have their number, but they're my friend on Facebook. Yeah. So if I need to call them, it's like, yo, can I call you? It's like, yeah. Yeah, I never jumped
1: on the Twitter. Or the... Sadly. Well, yeah. not, not sadly. I'm very glad I didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. It seems like you... a lot of work.
1: I don't know. Like, hey, I'm really... busy, you
0: know? Girl, I'm telling you. Like, we have a a Facebook, an IG, a Snapchat, and a Twitter for Concerned Dads Podcast. And, dude, I'm just like, every day, I'm like, what can I? It, it, it is. It's a job. And, I, and I'm also a musician as Katie Kane, you know? so. It's just yeah. like, man, like there's not, I can't just do that all day. You know, I still yeah. have to go to work. So it's like, right. man, I, I try I'm to. I'm tired enough stuff. just keeping
1: my own shit together. I don't need yeah, to and yeah. present.
0: Same, same. I, I try, yeah, it's uh, tiring. Yeah. I try to dedicate my energy towards this Sunday night broadcast. and Yeah,
1: and hope, for sure. That no, that's a nice way to that. spend your night before your week starts. I like
0: that. Uh, I'll just,
1: one thing I will say, um, I'm hoping to have this, um, so this, like the report I gave you is like infantile stages of what I want to produce and it's a very rough draft, but I'm hoping my book, um, which will be called from gold rush to green rush, um, California cannabis and California Indians, um, will be available by like 2022 at the, like the very latest, um, hopefully so. Like okay. within the next two years, if any of your audience members are interested, they can keep their eye out for my book. Oh,
0: no, no doubt. I, I hope that uh, we can put that in the description or something, Mitchell. Hopefully we can rewind that and put that yeah. word for word in the description so that if somebody does stumble upon it, then they can. Yeah.
1: Well, I still, I still I still got to finish writing it. <laughs> well,
0: well, cause can, can OK, so before we go, can I ask you some questions about that? Because I read books.
2: Yes, and, please. You
0: know, like I. I uh Anybody who's on my show who I feel like has a bunch of dope info, like, we had one eye. He's a breeder from Oregon that bred the Dog Walker OG. He's got game, and he's a super nice guy. I told him, he's got to write a book, you know? Yeah. And then, then Joshua Steensland, he said he's working on one, too. So, I'm like, well, yeah. let me know when it comes out. I will buy yeah. that.
1: Yeah, no, About it's... It.
0: So I can't same, wait until I'm just to done you. with it, you know? Same to you, Caitlin. Like, what's what's the process like? Is it is it mostly a research thing? And do you have an editor? And do you have a publisher in mind?
1: Um, so a, I've been – I'm kind of, of shopping team around team. with publishers now. Okay. Um, I'm, I just met with the University of Washington Press when I was oh. in New Zealand a couple weeks ago, and I really liked them. Uh, it's really important for me to have an editor that I like, you know? Because, like, you have to talk to them a lot. Like, if they're boring – you know, it's, like, important to have a good relationship with folks. Yeah. So, I'm thinking of University of Washington Press. Um, so, basically, what happens is that my dissertation needs to be completely, like, revised. I need to go back to the field. I need to do more research, ask different questions, um, and read more stuff. Uh, and so,
0: if you need over the tips, next two years, I'll be... Hmm? If you need any tips, holler at your boy.
1: Okay, yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so... This year I'll be putting together my proposal and hopefully be getting a contract, whatever publisher I choose. And then I'll be working with the press over like the next year and a half, um, two years. And so like, this is also, you know, I'm up for tenure. So I gotta, I gotta be writing. I gotta be getting some publishing out. Um, And so hopefully my first book will be done within like the second year of my faculty position. But if I get it done in the third year, I won't beat myself up too much. It's a lot of work. you know.
0: Yeah, well, th- that's very cool. I dig your ambition, girl. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, man, it's inspiring, especially uh, being an educated Indian. You know, like it's
1: yeah, Sometimes yeah. I'm people... I'm super excited. Like my new job at Humboldt State starts next month, and I'll be um getting the, like mentor Native students. I'll be teaching the Introduction to Native Studies class. I'll be teaching Native History. Uh, so. It'll be sweet to, like, kind of bring in cannabis into these classes that kids probably aren't expecting to talk about weed in, you know?
0: Yeah, man, exactly. I'm I'm interested to hear some of the kids' perspective because some of them got to be from around there and have some experience yep, with it. Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, um, that'll be – that sounds like a pretty sick job, Caitlin.
1: Yeah, we'll have some fun <laughs> conversations in class
0: yeah man well, this okay. has been a- sorry i'm getting
1: so dark the sun's going down and my light's uh, nah, not so good <laughs> nah,
0: it's it's cool man like we're, we're not tripping um okay sweet it's been a fun conversation on the podcast man yeah
1: thank you guys so much for having me i was really excited when you asked.
0: yeah shout out to uh mitchell and shout out to rachel man like that's yeah that's, uh, hey rachel i wonder
1: if she's watching i hope so <laughs>
0: yeah um, hi
1: pio pio <laughs>
0: Is, is there anything else you want to listen to or, I mean, talk about?
1: Um, I feel like we've covered most of the aspects of my research. I won't bog you down in, like, boring laws and stuff. No but, doubt. uh, no um,
0: yeah,
1: I just think we, like every single industry in the United States, like, people are exploiting the environment, and we need to talk about that. Okay. Um, And so I think a lot of my students who are – uh, frequent consumers of cannabis, like they have no idea that this shit is going down. Right.
2: And like, they're
1: all like 90% of the time they're pissed off and they want, they want it to stop. Right. Yeah. That's why we need to talk about it. Like all the time.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I agree. Dialogue is important. That's why we're doing the podcast. Um, These conversations are not being had on the news or anywhere in mainstream media, so we got to do it ourselves, and hopefully people can tune in. If it's not live, they can still catch it after the fact, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I want to know something crazy. I was at the North American Cannabis Summit in in LA this past January. There were like 500 different panels for folks to present their research. There was only two on the environment.
0: Damn. That was it. Damn. Well it's good way to way to represent that perspective, bro. I, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well I had a blast talking with both with I had a blast talking with you.
0: Yeah, man. Um hopefully we can do a follow up interview with you. Maybe like sometime after uh the first of the year and see how that job's going and
2: Oh, for sure. That'd you know, be awesome.
0: Maybe maybe you'll have a publisher by then and report yeah. some news on that. Yeah.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, We appreciate you coming on the show, Caitlin. It's been an honor interviewing you. And um, I'm proud of you getting your research done and then also pursuing the book, you know, and landing that job. Uh, Thank uh, you very much. It was my pleasure. Yeah. So um, that's the end of the episode, folks. I'm going to go ahead and do my outro dance right now. (laughs) This was the 13th episode of Concern Dabs podcast. I was your host, KDM Kane. My host, my co-host, Will Terps, was missing, but he'll be back next week. My guest was Caitlin Reed from Humboldt State University. Um, I got to give a shout out to my guys in production, Mitchell Wilson and Jesse Curry. This has been a Main Node and Joseph Street Enterprise production.